Ooh boy. King Charles III has cancer. Mm. Tell you what. If I speak, big trouble. Otherwise, public can be struck D. Bring the noise. FM Podcast Network. I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope your week has been okay in the circumstances. It's not been a good week with King Charles III. <laughs> I obviously shouldn't laugh uh, because you know cancer is a thing that was. Well, what's the what's the what's the popular quote? Everyone knows somebody. Um, who's had it or had or has it or had it or succumbed to it, right? Everybody knows somebody um, that has cancer of some sort. So you know, it's a un- it's a universal fact at this point that we are all aware of what cancer is and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But but this ain't this ain't any old cancer, ladies and gentlemen. This is. This is royal cancer. This is a cancer that has dared, absolute, had the absolute unmitigated goal to uh, enter the body of one such King Charles III. How fucking dare cancer? How dare it? Does, do, does cancer not understand? Does cancer not understand who they're trying to kill right now? Are you joking? I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, cancer has just gone too far now. Cancer's gone way too far. Cancer, you you've crossed the line, buddy. This is it. You 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 fucked up now. You real fucked up. I kid, obviously, and this is all in jest. But to make a serious point, um, saying I don't care is obviously not the greatest thing to say. Um, it is a person getting threatened with their, you know, get having their life threatened by, you know, a disease that can kill you, right? And as a person that, you know, over the years has tried to, you know, kind of like fix, f- unlearn things, right? You know, I feel like we learn over time that, um, and even, you know, kind of get maybe not explicitly taught, but we kind of get taught this ability to desensitize death because it's a it's a it's a consistent, right? It's a it's, you know, death, taxes and whatever else you put the third third one there, right? Is these things are just are going to happen. I will die. You will die as a listener. You will die. King Charles the third will die at some point, right? Be it from cancer or something else, he will die. Okay, this is a this is a thing that is universal. Everyone knows it's going to happen to all of us at some point. But here's my issue with all of this, and it's a very simple one. When I read the when I read the headline, um, and then got the <laughs> subsequent message. <laughs> 
subsequent messages uh, from a couple of people. Um, Shouts to Ryan and TT specifically. Um, I understood very quickly that, you know, simmer down a little bit. This is someone who's getting friends with cancer, and I am completely aware of that. But the one issue I have here is the fact that he is already getting treatment, and that's when I that's when that's when my that's when my dial of giving a shit starts to go into the don't um you know area of it. You know what I mean? It's this it's, it's going to the don't give a shit because he's already he's he's good. He's good. He's he'll probably be make it. Let's be real. Um, if all the money in the world don't do it, then shit. All the money will in the world will be spent doing it. Okay? Understand that. This is where I stop giving a shit. Because then I realise, while in my humanist state, I'm trying to think, you know, this is another human being, he's going through it. I understand, you know what I mean, to some, to some extent. I have not had cancer myself, fingers crossed, knock on wood, I never get it. But... But the fact that, you know, our UK healthcare system is where it is at the moment, I just, I, I, I then start to, you know, just not give a shit anymore. I meet pretty immediately. And I'm just like, hmm, he's already getting treatment. He ain't standing in line for anything. Um, so that's when I kind of turn off. And whatever happens, happens. We are officially on King Charles III pack watch. Um, and it'll stay like that until we get that all clear, and then I can continue um, to say the royal family as an institution should not exist anymore. But anyway, I've talked about that enough. I think I've got that out of the way. Let's get into our show. We have two societies, a history and a tech segment for you guys for this episode. Um, unfortunately, all written by white guys, which I was just written, <laughs> which I was just realising as I was doing the full description. I was just like, oh no. These were white people, but stories that matter in some ways, and um, yeah, regardless, it's all good. Uh, let's get right in, but before we begin, email, socials, writing, all down the full show notes, as well as the music and podcasts under the 5EPN, DITD, very important month for DITD, um, partly because we've uh, missed our first episode in <laughs> in, in 250 episodes. Um, didn't leave a, didn't leave him with a pod to step to, unfortunately. Um, but we are back for this week. Um, starting on a three-part series on Public Enemy, and then um, pretty much as we do that, as we finish that, um, Ben will be here. Ben will be here in the UK, um, in London, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll link up. I'll be linking up with him a couple of times over the over the two weeks that he's going to be here, three weeks that he's going to be here. Um, and yeah, we're just going to try and get some stuff done, uh, get some recordings done, obviously in person. Um, and hopefully bring a few people in as well um, to record. So uh, that's going to be fun. So tune into DITD, Ding Digits, on the full show notes if you so please and get into that. Um, but with that said, with that said, let the beat drop and let's get into the show. Yeah. 
in a week where Northern Ireland approved power sharing after nearly two year long uh, DUP boycotts. DUP is the, um, was it Democratic Unionist Party? Or the Summit Unionist Party? Um, but yeah, finally we have, uh, what's her name, Michelle O'Neill, I think her name is, um, Sinn Féin, um, finally getting to do her thing. And uh, yeah, it's an important point um, and actually lends to one of the topics for this episode, which we'll get to. Um, Lewis Hamilton will join Ferrari in 2025. I don't know um, why I'm putting this here. I don't watch F1 anymore. Um, but, you know, that's pretty significant in, um, in obviously, sports terms, not in, you know, real-life terms. I don't, you know, I, I ain't getting anything from this anymore. Um, but that is interesting. It's very fascinating. Um, would it bring me back to F1? Nope. Um, definitely not. But, um, you know, cool. Interesting. Uh, Universal Music Group uh, stops licensing uh, its music to TikTok, which, um, again, don't really care personally, but very, very interesting um, argument there. Um, it just reminds me of that uh, Family Guy cutaway, uh, where it's like Maggie Gyllenhaal and Jake Gyllenhaal arguing um, about who's like worse or who's more annoying, and uh, their, you know, quote unquote dad just comes in and goes, "Kids, kids, you're both just awful." Joe Biden announces sanctions against Israeli settlers in West Bank. Um, so close, Joe. So close. Just keep going that way. Keep keep going that way. You're so close to doing the right thing. Can't believe it was so close. Um, but yeah, something, I guess. Sure, people still dying, but you know, whatever. Uh, and lastly, Rocky and Predator actor Carl Weathers dies, age 76, RIP to the big man. Um... Let's hop into our history topic, history segment. Um, this is all about the quote-unquote loot loan, loaned, looted um, Asante Gold. Um, obviously, should be in the possession of uh, the state of Ghana um, and the Ashanti Kingdom as well. Um, but for some reason, is in the Victorian Albert um, and uh, you know Victorian Albert Museum, the V&A, uh, which people call it for short. Um, which you know, as you, as Museums go is very nice. Um, there's actually a really good. I don't know if it's still going. Might be might be ending this month. But um, I went to there, went there specifically for the photography um, for a photography exhibit, um, which um, covered a few rooms. Um, and uh, there was some really good stuff in there, man. Really good, really interesting stuff. Um, they showed like the anatomy, like the history of a. Uh, had like some historical cameras about. That was kind of cool to see in person and uh, great. Just. Um, uh, this is one room, which I'm sh- assuming it's always there. I, d- I don't know how museums work, but um, it was just like this uh, kind of gallery. I think it was uh, I think it's called uh, I forget the name of the gallery, but yeah, anyways, this little gallery room, and uh, it was just like I had tons, tons of these uh, photography books. Um, some you could uh, crack into, including um, Black is Beautiful by K- uh, Kwame Brathwaite, um, which I do have in person. Um, I do have my own copy, um, but it was cool just seeing that, um, being able to be read and to be looked at um, in the in the museum. But anyway, getting, far, getting sidetracked, um, a good place for, as museums go, pretty solid place. Um, but they do have stolen um artifacts obviously um, as do other British museums and this has obviously been going an argument that's been going on for well more in the mainstream probably a few years now but as obviously you know since colonialism um, has, <laughs> has been going there's uh, always been an argument for it um, but yes so this is relating to the decision 
Um, this is a, this is this is the headline for the article. V&A's decision to loan looted Asante gold uh, back to Ghana has implications for other British museums. Um, so this is the story of the V&A loaning gold back to Ghana, but it's the it's the word loaned. You know, what I mean, it's like how do you loan something you stole back to a country that you stole it from? It's just you know the, the logic there doesn't doesn't hold up, obviously. Um, so this is one of the conversation written by Georgios uh, Gian Gianna. Kopoulos, Greek, <laughs> uh, but yes, he is a, oh, oh, what's, it, oh, what's this occupation, okay, right, so, visiting research fellow at the Centre for Hellenic Studies, King's College London, and also lecturer in modern history, City University of London, nice, he's got two two hats to wear, nice, very nice, anyway, let's jump right into this, so, let's figure out, let's figure out why loaned, and, because I wanted to know, genuinely, why is it loaned, why is they just not give it back, turns out there's one particular thing, but we shall get into that. All right, the V&A um, has announced a loan agreement with the Man- Manhia Manhia Palace Museum. I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. M A N H Y I A Manhia um, in the Asante region of Ghana to return gold and silver royal regalia that were looted from uh, from the country by the British in 1874 and 1895. The decision was announced on the 150th anniversary of a sequence of wars of aggression waged by the British Empire against the Asante Kingdom in Africa's Gold Coast, which is modern-day Ghana. This agreement is part of a renewal framework of exchanges agreed not with the Ghanaian government, but with the current monarch of the Asante Kingdom, um, a constitutionally protected region of the state of Ghana. The exact length of the agreement is unclear, but most accounts suggest that this is a three-year deal. The agreement concerns 17 objects held at the V&A and 15 objects from the British Museum collection. These include a sword of state and gold peace pipe. British forces took the treasures when plundering the Asante capital Kumasi during the Third and Fourth Anglo-Ashanti Wars, 1873-74-1895-96. The looting was an act of opportunism also served a political function to humiliate the residents of the Asante Kingdom. Today, these artifacts are seen in Ghana as missing parts of the country's national heritage. They bear great spiritual value for the Asante people. The director of the VNA, historian Tristram Hunt. God, there's no, there's no worse a forename than Tristram. It just, oh, just oh, the whole, the whole, the whole, the whole, uh, uh, uh. uh <sighs> The whole building of that name, Tristram, just ugh, just doesn't just doesn't flow off the tongue at all. It's horrible, and I feel like every is there ever a normal person called Tristram? I I highly doubt it. Anyway, presented this loan deal as a template. Wasn't he a politician? By the way, Tristram Hunt. I swear I've heard that name before. I swear I've seen him, heard his name somewhere else. Anyway. Directed the VNA now apparently um, presented this loan deal as a template for the solution to the quote contested colonial heritage unquote of items in European museums. Easy one, give it give it back, but you know yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, Hunt suggested that contemporary Asante goldsmiths could be commissioned to create artworks that would fill the gap quote unquote left in the collection uh, by the loaned artifacts. The V&A has been at pains to argue that this deal and other uh, similar initiatives do not constitute repatriation agreements. This is important because such an agreement would contradict the National Heritage Act of 1983. Here we go. 
which prohibits national museums from repatriating antiques in their collections. So uh, all these things that we've been arguing over the past few years, this is the reason why. This is the reason why these things can't be loaned back because because of a law from 1983. That's it. So you know. We now know the reason why, and we easily know the solution. Wait for it. Abolish that fucking law. Simple as. Anyway, this it feels like something that Labour Party will like will inevitably um, uh, 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 scrap and actually allow all this to happen just for points, just for points, just to make them look a little bit good. Just, just because they're gonna do some dumb shit. I mean, they still they doing dumb shit already as Tory like. Um, not even gotten into the office yet, but um, anyway, you know what I mean. The agreed framework um, of exchange allows the state of Ghana to reap the benefits of the temporary return of the Sante treasures without having to make concessions on the question of legal ownership of the artifacts. In short, well, here we go. Legal question. They do own the artifacts. Here's theirs. There you go. Legal legalities washed away. I love how simple I can make life. It's great. Um, in short, having the treasures uh, returned to Ghana on the loan deal uh, with the regional partner allows the Ghana state authorities to continue arguing for repatriation and restitution. This is perhaps why Hunt argued that this partnership, quote, allows us to move beyond the path and on uh, sculptures debate, a reference to the requested repatriation of several uh, sculptures extracted from the path and on in Greece in the early 1800s. Um, and I realised they started a quote, but this quote didn't end, but anyway, there was no unquote, anyway. Uh, this agreement suggests that since national museums in the UK are banned from returning controversial uh, cultural artefacts uh, to their place of origins, loan deals and dynamic exchanges are the way forward. The British Museum and the Greek government currently pursue this line of thinking. Despite the recent diplomatic episode in which Rishi Sunak cancelled his scheduled meeting with the Greek Prime Minister in response to the latter's comments about the Parthenon sculptures, the Greek government has changed its approach to the Parthenon marbles question. Officials are now presenting the problem not uh, as one of ownership and restitution, but as one of reunification. This means that they are uh, open to solutions along the lines of the Asante case, but the key difference is that in the Greek case, the, the agreement would have to be between two national museums, the British Museum and the Parthenon Museum, with the involvement of the Greek state. The extent to which such a solution uh, would be popular with the Greek public remains to be seen. This deal may have implications for other cases around the world. The other obvious example is that of the Benin Bronzes, a cluster of 16th century statues looted in 1897 from the West African Kingdom of Benin, now part of the Nigerian state, currently held in the British Museum. Despite the complex Nigerian cultural politics, the Asante Loan Agreement will impact the debate on, sta on the status of these artifacts. Uh, renewable cultural partnerships, quote unquote, um, an elegant term to describe loans. <laughs> renewable cultural partnerships, oh gosh, outstanding, uh, are by no means enough. The elephant in the room is the is the existing legal framework. There we go. Forged in period of decolonization and diminishing Western influence, that forbids the repatriation of antiquities. Over sixty years on from uh, from when a ban on repatriation was first introduced. The world is a different place. Big European museums have nothing to fear from repatriation requests and agreements. The enormity of their collection guarantees that there will be there will almost never be a void to fill. And that's it. That's that's the article right there. That ended very abruptly. But yes, easy man, just give it back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to word it. I don't know how to word it any any easier. Give it back. Just give it back. Just give the fucking shit back. Like give it back. Make a make a replica and have that. Have the replica. 
let's be real, guys. Let's be real. And I'll, and I'll, I'll refer back to the V&A visit that I just talked about before this. So this beginning, right? So when I went there, in order to get the, to the photography bit, which I was only there for, I was just there for the photography bit, right? I went through several other rooms to get there, including a room feature, featuring, most likely, because I didn't actually look that hard, Asante Gold. Right, there was a there was a whole hallway at one point um, where there's like a bunch of you know Victorian silver and gold and this and this and this and you're seeing all this seeing all this um, you know silver and gold shit. Right, I didn't care at that point. At that point, I was just walking the hill. I was just trying to find my destination. I was just trying to find the photography bit. I was just like looking. I was looking for arrows. I was like, all right, where's photography? Photography. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Right. So I was walking through this um, hallway of silver and gold, and I probably went past the Asante Gold at some point, I don't know, right, I also went past the, well, pretty much the start of the museum, which is basically a, a bunch of sculptures and stuff, um, and yeah, you know, I just went past a ton of shit, I didn't even clock it, didn't clock nothing, so, let's be real, guys, you can make replicas, <laughs> we don't need the authentic shit, we really don't. Let's be real. We really don't. We don't need the authentic shit. It'll be cool to know that it's the authentic, the real deal, but it doesn't hold. It it's not holding that. It's not that deep for us. It's not that deep. We're not seeing it as the, the same as the Asante Kingdom, where they see it as spiritual artifacts. We do not see it that deep. You have twats like me walking past it in order to try and find something else. D- didn't even clock it. You know what I mean? Just twats like me doing that. It's wasted on people like me. It's wasted on most people that go to museums. Let's be real, right? It's wasted. Just make a replica. It's not hard. And obviously, this is not talking about the legal framework, which, to be honest, I'm not smart enough to get delve into. But to be real, it should all be gone. It should not be a thing. This this law of antiquity, um, law of antiquities, should not be a thing. Let's be real. It's not. It shouldn't be a thing. It's not tenable anymore. We are not that. We are not. Hold, we're just holding this shit hostage for no fucking reason anymore. Just make replicas, give back the real shit, everyone wins. Literally everybody wins. Nobody's gonna fucking cry. Oh no, it's not used to original stuff. You know what you can do? Go to Ghana. You wanna see the real shit? Go to Ghana. There you go. Simple as that. Look at me solving world's problems in 20 minutes. I'm great. I'm amazing. Alright, let's continue um, with our first society segment, uh, first of two, and uh, this is all about devolution, specifically the devolution of the United Kingdom. So, I started talking about this um, probably right, well not right after the exit, because I was, probably, I was still at uni at that point, and I probably couldn't talk about it that that rigorously, um, but since then I've had, I've had the thoughts um, that, uh, that's how I, was, I word it, I had the thought, um, that the UK will not be the UK anymore at some point, it, I think it's, I think it's inevitability, I think Scotland will dip, I think Northern Ireland will reunify it with the Republic of Ireland and just become Ireland, I think Wales at some point, while it probably might be the last of the three, excuse me, um, to break off from the shit, shit heap that is England, 
Um, I think Wales will probably break apart at some point, and uh, obviously not physically, <laughs> but uh, but you know, uh, in terms of what the United Kingdom is, I think Wales will dip um, as well. So I saw this article, and I wanted to revisit it, revisit the topic just a little bit. Um, now and again, I like to do that. Um, but yeah, this is one of I just thought good point to start. So this is called Northern Ireland will leave the Union, and Scotland could too. True devolution is the only way to save it. It's written by Simon Jenkins, a Guardian columnist. Um, and I usually, I usually try and um, uh, f- uh, stave away from you know columnist for this paper or whatever. Um, but you know, to be fair, I've I I like to at least do my due diligence and just see what Simon Jenkins has been columnizing. Um, in recent in recent weeks, and uh, you know he's been he's been spitting some bars. He's been spitting some bars recently. His, his most his most recent one just after the, just after what we're going to read. How to fix Brit- Britain's crumbling NHS? Whatever you do, don't ask a doctor. I don't, I don't know what that means. Um, obviously these are just headlines, but um, yeah. Oh, here we go. Mentioning Charles here, Prince William should finish what Charles started and sever the ridiculous ties of church and state. Good shout. Um, King Charles should follow Denmark's example and tell us when he'll abdicate. Perfect. Love that. Love that. Love that. Bars. Bars already. Uh, let's get into this one, though. So, devolution is in disarray. A uh, quarter of a century after its introduction by Blair government, the Scottish, Welsh, and Northern Irish uh, constitutions. Don't know why I tried that. Are tr- tired and tarnished. I mean, I can't do all three, but anyway. Um, this week's COVID inquiry in Scotland has revealed Nicola Sturgeon's nationalist rule to be cliquish. Cliquish. Like, 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 click, click, uh, cliquish and shrouded in secrecy. Wales First Minister Labour's Mark Drakeford has resigned after plummeting approval ratings. Northern Ireland's power sharing has just stumbled back to a half life after two years of total non existence. The UK is the only Western European state whose unity is unstable, except for possibly Spain. After half, almost half of uh, Northern Irish voters expect to rejoin the rest of Ireland within 20 years, and nearly 60% of Scots want some form of independence. Even in Wales, independence is favoured by almost a third. In all these cases, young voters are the most eager for a breakup of the UK. This is hardly a trivial matter. Covid gave devolution a boost. Uh, Boris Johnson rightly delegated a lockdown to national administrations, both Edinburgh. Uh, and Cardiff employed tougher COVID policies, with Scotland toying with zero COVID um, in the hope of enhancing distance from England. Sturgeon and Drakeford saw their popularity surge as they paraded nightly on television. Sturgeon made it a stage for uh, for nationalism. Now, uh, Now COVID is over, and a grimmer reality is returning. Devolved government was meant to mean more accountability and greater efficiency. That has not happened. Half of Wales' budget goes on health and social services, but its NHS is close to breakdown. Doctors are in desperately short supply, dentists are near non-existent, and one in five of the Welsh population are on what is called a waiting well uh, list for medical diagnosis and treatment. Meanwhile, Wales' once excellent schools are rated the worst in the UK and rank below the OECD average in its PISA P, uh, Programme for International Student Assessment Ratings. Uh, just under a third of Welsh pupils go on to university. Devolved Scotland has ruthlessly centralised. Uh, yeah, uh, local police forces have been wound up. A spending spurge on free university tuition and free prescriptions has given Scotland's government the highest public spending head in uh, head in the UK. 
probably say per head in the UK, but that should be. Uh, whilst NHS uh, performs well, its plague of drug deaths has produced one of the highest mortality rates in Western Europe. As for Northern Ireland, the British Medical Association raises health service the worst in the UK, with waiting lists of five years not uncommon. Yet these apparent failures have not led to any public desire to reverse devolved powers. Both Sturgeon and Drakeford were consistently more popular than Johnson. Since then, rumours of corruption swirling around Scottish nat- nationalism and Drakeford's fixation on 20 mile per hour speed limits may have caused damage. That's hilarious. That's so... That's so Welsh. <laughs> That's so Wales. Scottish nationalism, corruption... 20 mile per hour speed limits. It's just funny. Uh, but not the wider cause of devolution in this various... It, Welsh, man, they're just, they're just so... They're, they're simple, and I don't mean that derogatory. They're so simple. They just they just want... They just want certain things. You know what I mean? It's not... They don't They don't want much. They really don't. They don't ask for the world. Um, but I just I just find it funny. It's the 20 mile per hour speed limits. It's such a... Um, such a... Uh, such a sticking point. That's just amazing to me. Politically. Anyway. Uh, where we're at uh, at this year's election. Uh, Keir Starmer's parliamentary majority may well rely on a solid body of Scottish and Welsh Labour MPs, but if, as is almost bound to be likely, his popularity arose over time, these MPs will no doubt be under pressure from resurgent nationalism. While nothing seems likely to avert more trouble from Northern Ireland, in Scotland and Wales, Starmer must be alert to, need, to the need to reform and enhance devolution within Britain. Currently, Scotland can raise taxes and spend at will, but it relies on about £41 billion a year from the UK Treasury under the Barnett formula, used ostensibly to give each nation the same pounds per person funding each year. The issue for government think tank has estimated... Hmm, think tank. Not about think tanks. Uh, has estimated that each person in Scotland benefits from public spending worth... £2,543 more than the taxes they pay, compared with the English, who benefit by just £91. There could be no route to greater independence as long as such dependency continues. As for the Welsh, their personal benefit is worth a lavish £4,412 a head. The Institute found uh, this level of reliance has atrophied Welsh enterprise, fostered government hostility to mostly English outsiders, and invited interference from London. The latest of many reports on Wales constitutional further uh, future sorry, uh, came out last month from Rowan Williams and Laura McAllister. It is full of worthy abstractions, but it dares not tackle the elephant in the room, Welsh dependence on English subsidy. In England, devolution is clearly popular among those who, uh, whom it applies. It enjoys public favour in cities and metropolitan regions such as London, the West Midlands and Greater Manchester, which have high-profile elected mayors. People of all ages, but especially the young, crave its enhanced local identity. But the UK's separate nations are a constitutional mess and need reform. In Northern Ireland, the long, only long-term future must lie in reunion with the Republic, eased by a Britain that rejoins the European single market. Welsh independence makes little sense, uh, though as the Williams and McAllister uh, reports as it suggests, further devolution and self-reliance must somehow be found. Scotland is a different matter. As the UK in 2016 slid so casually out of the EU, so could Scotland slide out of the UK. It should, by size and economic potential, be as rich and independent as Ireland or Denmark. Ireland shook off its reliance on the UK and became a Celtic tiger. While it might be a pity and a sad comment on England, Scotland could do the same. The next British government should start by tearing up the Barney formula and devolving real power, fiscal power, 
in Scotland. Otherwise, we should welcome the future Denmark of the British Isles. <sighs> yeah, man. I, it's just, there's no... It's, it's, you know... As an English person, right? As a person living in England. And a person, a person living in southern England, especially. It makes... It, it, I see the... I see how, you know... Even, even you know, from a parliamentary standpoint, right? Um, I see, you know, the SNP or um, or whatever, right? Or the DUP when um, the Conservatives, for, for just out of pure desperation, had to um, form a, a a mini coalition with them. You know, I see, I see them, and I'm just like, what's what are you doing here? Like, what, what's the what's the what's the point? You know what I mean? It's, it's what, what's the point of you being here? Um, it seems so minuscule, in t- and I don't, I don't mean this in terms of like me looking down as an English person, right? I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying it in the terms of just why, why, why are you? What's the point of you guys being here when you clearly don't have that much sway? You know what I mean? Um, the recent, obviously, um, uh, steel, uh, steel uh, jobs lost in Wales, right? It's such a big blow. But it has nothing to do with England. Like, I just don't feel... I Well, okay, let's just say that has nothing to do with England. It probably has something to do with them. But yeah, it has... I don't I don't feel it. I don't feel anything. I don't feel... Um, I didn't feel the two years of no government in Northern Ireland. I don't feel whatever happens in Scotland. I don't feel whatever happens in England. I barely feel what happens in places like Manchester. And by feel, I mean it in a very abstract way, right? I feel, I, I, I say feel, in a in a sense that you know comes comes into my consciousness via you know either the news or people word of mouth stuff like that, right? Just being exposed to it. I'm not privy on what happens in Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland. I have an assumption that people in the people in those countries don't care what's happening in London or or Essex from where I'm living. They don't care about um they don't care about shit happening in Manchester. Why would they? They don't fucking live there. They wouldn't feel it. You know what I'm saying? They f- they would feel what happens if you're Scottish and you live in Glasgow, but something happened in Edinburgh, you might feel that. You might feel it if um you went to London uh, is Londonderry in Northern Ireland. I said let me not try and name places in Ireland. Um <laughs> You might not. Fi- you might be living in Cardiff, Wales, but you might. But you might feel what's happening in Swansea or Aberystwyth, for example, right? You might feel those kind of things, but I don't think we feel it in terms of country to country. I don't. Fi- I don't feel that anymore. Maybe we felt it some in in the good old days of you know just stiff upper lip and stuff like that. Maybe who knows? I don't fucking care. At this point, um, but yeah, I just feel devolution is just the just the right way to go. I feel, it, especially when England, as a parliamentary system, is being so dog shit in so many fucking ways. I would want to de- devolve from these fuckers. Like, what are these people doing? Imagine you're Scottish and you see what Rishi Sunak been doing. You're just like, fuck this guy. <laughs> what the fuck are you lot doing? Like, this is crazy. And again. They're there for they're there in Parliament for a reason, obviously. But again, what are they going to do? They can't do anything in real terms. They can't make that. They can't, you know. They 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 can say something to Rishi Sunak, like everybody else can say something to Rishi Sunak. But 
Well, if he's there, obviously. Depends if he's there. You know, of course. He'd have to actually fucking turn up. But, um, you know, they can say something, but is Scotland the first thing? Where, where's Scotland in the ranking of things that Rishi Sunak gives a shit about? Where's Wales? Where's Northern Ireland? Odds are they're probably below the top 10. Let's be real. So, devolve, guys. Break away. Be free. Save yourselves. Please. Please save yourselves. As someone who is English um, by, you know, by where I live, um, not in vibe. Get that straight. I'm not English in that vibe, right? But as someone who lives in England, please, guys, go do it. Go save yourselves, please. Find your independence. Wean yourselves from the UK Treasury. Find a way to develop yourselves because England, as a, especially as a parliamentary system, is dog shit. It's rotting from the core. These people cannot be saved. You can save yourselves. Don't be us. Don't be what English Parliament is doing right now. Please, don't do it. Just devolve. Find your independence. Wean yourselves out of dependence uh, from uh, dependence of UK Treasury money. And please, just don't be us. Don't be the UK, uh, the English uh, parliamentary system. Please, find a way. Reunify with Ireland, Northern Ireland. I'd love to see that. I'm here for that. Please, find your way, if you can. Alright, so let's hop into tech or social media, however I've worded it in the full description, um, and talk about Facebook at 20. Facebook is officially 20 years old. I think uh, the day was the 3rd of February or something, 3rd or 4th. Um, so yeah, Facebook is officially 20 years old. And why do I want to talk about Facebook? A place that I haven't been on um, in how many years has it been? Three years now? Um, and I'll never go back to for whatever reason. Um, why am I talking about it? Because I find it interesting. Um, 20 years old is obviously, as a, for a social media site, is very, excuse me, is unique. Um, there's not many that I can think of that are, you know, 20 years old and are still going like this, right? Um, did, wait, wait, is friends still going? You know what I mean? Stuff, you know, shit, shit like that. So 20 years old for something like Facebook is rare, it's unique. Um, so I thought I'd get into some commentary on this front. Uh, this is written by Chris Stoker-Walker uh, via iNews. It's called Facebook at 20. Former staff lift lid on what Zuckerberg got right and wrong. Um, got right? Hmm. Short. That might be short, but we'll see. Uh, 20 years ago on Sunday. There you go. It was last Sunday. Harvard student Mark Zuckerberg, alongside co-founder Eduardo Savarin, launched a website designed to replicate the giant paper directory of fellow students that helped the keep the campus community connected. They called their website the Facebook. Within 24 hours, more than 1,000 people across the Harvard campus had signed up to the website, which was launched with $1,000 of investment from each of the each from the co-founders. Two decades on, Facebook, which dropped the the, <laughs> shout the social network if you know, you know, uh, is an entirely different beast. Those initial 1,000 signups have ballooned to more than 3 billion users across a family of apps that now include Instagram, WhatsApp, and Threads. <coughs> Excuse me. 
The company behind it all, which rebranded as Meta in 2021, is worth about $1 trillion. More than most other companies, Meta, Facebook, has dictated the last 20 years. Ahead of its anniversary, former staff and experts spoke to I about... <laughs> Sorry, I'll just... Um, <laughs> uh, in Rastafarianism, um, they say I, like me, like, you know, I... I hope you get what I mean, right? But the fact that it just says spoke to I is just, it's funny. Like instead of saying spoke to me, you know what I mean? It's spoke to I. That's that's just funny. Like, obviously it's inadvertent, but it's just hilarious to me. Accidental rest off. Um about the social media giant's effort on our lives and debated whether it has been a force for good or evil. Okay, well <laughs> Um, I think rigging elections and uh, you know, radicalizing everybody's grandmother is uh, you know, pretty pretty big um but you know whatever anyway unsurprisingly some former employees remain positive in their assessment of facebook's legacy while others outside the company disagree quote everybody at facebook and especially the founder is obsessed by the by connecting the world and reducing distances between people which is a fantastic thing said julian uh the former vice president of workplace the organization's online collaboration tool for businesses. Milan uh, Bezosa, uh, who worked for Meta as head of strategic partnerships between 2017 and 2023, agreed, quote, we speak of a mission-centric company with a significant responsibility in making this world a better place, a company that at 20 years old is still maturing, unquote. Uh, Carolina R, A-R-E, R, um, a platform governance researcher in the Centre for Digital Citizens at Northumbria University said, quote, I think for older generations, it's been a way to connect with people that they had lost. Um, R pointed to her own parents who have used the platform to find and reconnect with former high school classmates, colleagues, and people they met on work trips that they'd otherwise lost touch with. In some ways, it's done quite well to connect people, she says. But it clearly has its drawbacks, quote, it served as a mirror to society ever since, showing us the light and dark of what humanity is, said Ling Frost, managing director of the social element, uh, a global social media agency. Those darker moments have been as numerous as the positive ones. In 2014, Facebook was criticised for cr- conducting secret psychological tests on hundreds of thousands of users, which the company later apologised for poorly be- being poorly communicated. Bad actors have used the platform and exploited its comparative lack of content, moderation, expertise in non-English languages to incite genocides in Myanmar. And whistleblower and former employee Sophie Zhang said the company turned a blind eye to the to political manipulation around the world. Uh, brackets, Facebook strongly denied this, claiming they prioritized combating, quote, coordinated inauthentic behavior, unquote. Notably, in 2023, Meta lifted a two-year ban preventing Donald Trump using company's platforms, which was implemented after he accused of inciting he yeah, he accused of inciting uh, January sixth uh, US capital attack on social media, albeit with Trump put on a tighter leash. Zuckerberg as the face of the company has been hauled in front of Congress to answer all these all those criticisms and more. While in the EU and UK, Nick Clegg, company's president of global affairs, is often tasked with addressing public concerns. Just this week, Zuckerberg stood up during a U.S. Senate hearing and turned to apologise to families who have uh, said their children were harmed by social media. Uh, I wonders whether uh, R. Okay, can you put? Can you not put Carol, Carolina? Or, um, yeah, Carolina. Because just saying R A R E is just 
it froze me off so much. But anyway, R uh, wonders whether it's possible to uh, impossible to imagine a world that didn't see society riven into and deeply uh, divided by social media. Those with long memories will remember that Facebook was the backdrop upon which the Cambridge Analytica scandal, where user data was harvested and used to politically micro-target individuals with divisive messages, took place. Others may also remember the testimony of whistleblowers like Francis Haugen, who warned the world that millions of teenagers could be addicted to Instagram with damaging effects on their mental health. Quote, we've been plunged into a divided, violent society, she says. And a lot of uh, online harms like misinformation and conspiracy theories are peddled on platforms like Facebook, unquote. Taken as a whole, (coughs) I need a drink, man. I'm getting a drink off this segment. Um, Taken as a whole, social media expert Matt Navarro believes that the, quote, overriding theme of 20 years of Facebook is a lack of awareness or care about the impact in a negative way Facebook and its sister apps would have on the world, and using its uh, using its users as guinea pigs for experimentation in terms of how some of these features and product of platform initiatives and policies would work out in the real world, he says. He believes that has, that has been coupled with dangerous obsession with growth at all costs, quote, the choices have always been about growth and expansion and domination of the social media landscape above all else, says Navarra. I think that itself, that is itself something that they got wrong and they sh- and should have done differently, unquote. But R believes that it's not necessarily the platform or the idea of Facebook that's solely to blame. Quote, it's a mentality that is very North American, profit-driven, very individualistic, and also its vibe drenched into that Silicon Valley bro slash venture capital culture, unquote. Well, yeah, we can we can obviously say, you know, at the end of the day, everything leads to capitalism, right? But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Facebook. Yeah, of course, we could just say bin capitalism, but that's not going to happen, is it, um, at this point in time? But we can say bin Facebook as well. We can we can walk and chew gum. It's fine, guys. We can do that. We can say fuck Facebook and also fuck capitalism. We can do all that. Um, so yeah, there you go. Easy. Oh, look at me solving things again. We can have both thoughts. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's great. It's 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 so funny how she was just like yeah 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 Facebook bad, but you know Silicon Valley also bad. It's like yeah we know, we know it's all bad. Throw all in the bin. That's what we should do, but whatever. Cordenu uh, believes that at times media coverage of Meta has focused on the negative while overlooking the positives. Okay, here we go. Maybe we take for granted that the fact Facebook introduces platform to connect the world, he says. One turning point he reckons was the election of Trump. See where this is going. Um, which opened people's eyes to the negative effects of social media revolution that Facebook spearheaded. Despite the many issues, Facebook has managed to survive where others haven't. Quote, what is very striking with Facebook is that they survived every wave of competition they had, says Cordenu. Uh, when they started, it was against MySpace and Twitter. Now it's TikTok. But Facebook is still there. Revenues are all-time high. Stock prices are going to all-time highs. And they keep innovating, unquote. The reason for that continued success, while other businesses have flip-flop business plans, visions, and leaders, Facebook since 2021, rebranded Meta, has stayed true to its course and stuck with its founder, Zuckerberg. Quote, I think it's because the founder and chief executive is still very much uh, present in the day-to-day running of the company, says Cordenu. New. While Meta's place in, his- in history books uh, w- will, I- will be is still to be written, 
reckons the 11-year veteran of the firm who left in 2021. But he believes that a longer-term look at the company might well be kinder about its response to issues of moderation missteps and consider its long-term, longer-term benefits of connecting people. Of course, history will still have to account for changes yet to come to the company. In 2021, the 2021 rebrand to Meta was meant to signal a shift in what the company's priorities would be. Zuckerberg wanted a billion of us to live and work in the metaverse by the end of this decade, committing $10 billion to achieve that. The metaverse gamble doesn't appear to have paid off, at least not yet. However, Meta is keen to get in on the ground floor of the next big revolutionary technology, artificial intelligence. The company is spending huge amounts of money acquiring uh, graphical processing units. Uh, why didn't it just say GPUs on that one? But anyway, uh, the computing hardware that enables AI to work. <laughs> I just could have said GPU there. Um, making me say the whole thing. Zuckerberg has said uh, he has his, uh, set his teams the goal of achieving artificial general intelligence. And he's denied that he's binned the metaverse plans in favor of AI, saying that the latter will help augment the former. But whatever happens, there's one thing that Meta can learn for 20 years for the next 20 year, uh, for the next 20 reckons Frost, quote, If Facebook wants to keep ahead over the next two decades, it needs to return to its roots and keep genuine human connection at its core, she says. Without that North Star, no amount of innovation or acquisitions can mitigate the disruption other platforms can and will create. See, I see, I see articles like this, and I see, you know, um, conversations about um, tech and, um, you know, companies of this size, right, and talk about that. Um, then they're companies, bro. I, I don't know what to t- I don't know what else to tell you. They're not, they're not bedroom businesses anymore. This is not a bedroom business. You know, they he, Zuckerberg might have had that essence about him about you know keeping connections, and he still says that kind of shit today. But let's be real, guys. This uh, this is a what was the value trillion dollars? Like, <laughs> it's not. It's, they they no. No, no, that's not how companies think anymore. I'm sorry. It's 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 literally like, yeah, I wanna I wanna go into the metaverse. He made an attempt. It flopped. He will probably restart it again at some point, right? With the help of artificial intelligence, right? Where he's throwing money. Where where Facebook is throwing money at that now, as as is every company of a certain size, right? They're all throwing. I've I, I just recently learned there's someone that is not on Twitter anymore. That Twitter now has their own AI called Grok. What the fuck is Grok? What a stupid name is fucking Grok? Um. Anyway, that aside, these are just companies, bro. They're just companies. They are companies that try and get the dollar, however and whenever they can. You know, they put on the, the this sound this they make it sound like. You know, them hearty marketing things, right? It was like, you know, we, we still care about the people. We still care about the people. Fuck that shit. They don't. They just want the cash. They want your data. That's all they want. Simple as. But they're not going to gonna word it like that. Because, I don't know, maybe it's just how the article or how Stokel Walker wanted to uh, wanted to frame it um, in this kind of weird light to me. But at the end of the day, guys... What was once something that started in a Harvard bedroom is now a trillion dollar company, right? That's fine. That sounds when and dandy. But it's all the other shit under that. It's the decisions made. It's the it's the th- or or decisions not made. I think even worse um, that uh, that makes this bad. That makes me say Facebook bad, right? That's all it is. So. 
Facebook are 20 years. Happy birthday. Very important. Very rare in the tech space. But Facebook's bad. Alright, let's finish up with our second society segment, and this is all about Grenfell Tower survivors. Um, it's obviously something that is approaching, I think, I think it's seven years now, um, in June this year, and uh, still no justice. I said, I've said, I've been saying for years um, that this is the modern day Hillsborough, there's going to be just years of anguish and uh, just seeming like nothing's happening and it's going to take you know just maybe decades for you know people to actually get what they deserve um, in, in both ways here in terms of justice for the people that survived and for the people that died and also just and also what they what the people that allowed this shit deserve Anyway, let's get into this one. It's called Imagine If It Was Your Family, Grenfell Survivors Tell of Ongoing Agonies via Navarra Media. And read by Simon Charles. Uh, survivors and those bereaved by the Grenfell Tower fire have delivered devastating testimony of their loss and ongoing trauma to those accused of causing the fire. Defendants were asked to imagine it was their own families who were burned alive in emotionally charged scenes during Grenfell Testimony Week. An attempt at remedial justice taking place outside of the strict procedural confines and loyally evasions of the official inquiry. The event, which is taking place this week, is being attended by 24 executives and representatives from companies, institutions and branches of government accused of causing the fire which killed 72 people and forms part of a £150 million out-of-court settlement reached last year. Arconic, the company that, ma- that manufactured the flammable plastic cladding that surrounded the tower, which acted as kindling, declined to send representatives. His chair was left empty. Hanan Wahabi uh, lived on the ninth floor of the Grenfell, of Grenfell Tower. On the night of 14th of June 2017, she escaped her flat and then stood outside watching as the fire climbed up the building with frightening speed. Her brother, um, Abdul Aziz El Wahabi, uh, his wife, Fauzia, and their children, Yassin, 20, Herhada, 15, and Mehdi, uh, 8, were trapped in their flat on the 21st floor and burned to death. Your individual and collective actions lead to this. It led to them, in my view, being murdered in their own home, Wahabi told uh, their defendants. Attendees listened to recordings of calls with emergency services voiced by actors in which cooperators advised the family to stay put in their flat even as the fire engulfed the building. I want you to imagine that it was your family, not some poor immigrants or some other narrative that you tell yourselves to make it all seem more palatable and easier to bear, she told the defendants. I want you to imagine that it was your family and that was torn apart and will never be whole again, unquote. Wahabi blamed the emergency services for failing to learn their lessons of the Lacanel La La house fire. I forgot, I don't know how to word that. Lacanel house fire in South London in 2009, but she also criticised the entire system which led to the fire. Grenfell was not a one-off tragedy, she said. He is symbolic of the worst of the, uh, worst of the built environment, housing services and central and local government. It is a result of the worst of our country and the worst of humanity. 
He is symbolic of a la- total lack of humanity and putting people before profit or refusal to learn and change. Unquote. Heartbreaker testimony was delivered by participants through, often through tears. Marcio Gomez, who escaped from his flat on the 21st floor, told a story about what the life of his son Logan, who was stillborn due to the fire, would have been like. His laughter would have sounded, quote, like wind chimes echoing through our home, creating a melody that would be forever etched into our memories, Gomez said. Gomez spoke of uh, his son's many firsts, his first steps, the first time he bumped his head, first lost tooth, first day of nursery, first friendships formed. Before long, he would have discovered a passion and talent for football, supporting Liverpool and Benfica, his father's encouragement. He would have joined the local football team and his father would have cheered him on from the sidelines. Looking directly at the defenders, Gomez said, quote, This is what Logan's life would have been. This is what our life would have been like. Except it would have been even better because Logan would have lived in an, and in living been even more full of life and more himself than I have been able to con- uh, conjure here. This is what you've taken away from me, unquote. The catastrophic fire spread because the building was clad in flammable plastic likened to solid petrol as part of a botched refurbishment which left the building a death trap and followed followed the safety concerns of residents being dismissed by Kensington and Chelsea Tenant Management Organisation. Seven years on, the gears of accountability are still grinding on a glacial, glacial pace. The report of the official inquiry has been delayed and is likely to be released later this year. The police have said they will consider criminal charges only after the inquiry has published its report. The perceived shortcomings of the inquiry were highlighted at the testimony event by the screening of a, f- a film titled Don't Recall, a supercut of defendants that the inquiry repeatedly given the same evasive words in order uh, in answer to simple questions. A number of the survivors and bereaved called for criminal charges for those accused of causing the fire. Quote, Justice must involve prison sentences, said Wahabi. She also criticised the lack of clarity over government funding for a memorial for Grenfell. Despite the nice words and promises, the government is failing to deliver on post-Grenfell promises to our community, she said. A number of participants spoke of having survivor's guilt. Uh, Bahai <coughs> Lukabedi, uh, the minicab driver in whose flat the fire began gave testimony spoken uh, by an actor. He said he is a, quote, broken man. I can never forget that it was in my flat the fire started, he said. Even though he has been cleared of any wrongdoing, it is a shame that I will have to carry, uh, shame that I will carry to my grave, he said. He is the hope of many of the survivors and bereaved that the defendants feel guilt themselves. You have not graced me with your presence for some nice healing process, Wahabi told the defendants. I hope it affects you deeply, Wahabi said of their testimony. I hope it remains seared in your soul in a way that drives change. Alright, cool. Um, I don't really have much to say on that, to be honest. Um, it is obviously a waiting game at this point, and waiting for the inquiry to report to be released, and... <sighs> I don't know, man. It's a this is this is a country that has, you know, allowed so much, um, and I don't mean that in a good way. It allows people to do things and get away with them. Um, where I could do something um, so minuscule and be punished for it, 
somebody else can do something that affects millions of people and nothing happens to them. Um, obviously, this comes down to, um, you know, to who has power at this point um, and who knows who. The Don't Recall um, film, I haven't seen it, but I can imagine it being just just, just disappointing um, from a humanity perspective. Um, disappointing. And, um, yeah, man, I really do hope... Um, People, the pe- the 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 people in charge of these places, iconic and uh, the Kensington Chelsea uh, tenant management, whatever it was called. I hope these people find um, if they don't go to jail. Like I hope they honestly, I hope they get harassed till the end of their life. Like I I I genuinely feel that. I'm not saying you know beat them up. I'm not saying kill them. I'm not saying righteous justice or any of that. No, I'm not asking. I'm not asking for that. I'm not calling for that obviously I'm calling for constant reminder that this is what they did the constant reminder that this they had a hand in these people dying and it obviously hits so cleanly that this was done in the richest borough in London that this happened in the richest borough in London just that that context really hits me personally. Really makes a really makes a dent. And the richest ca- in the richest uh, council and the richest uh, borough. That's what I should say. Uh, the richest borough in, uh, in in London, and I think the country actually. Now that I'm now that I'm thinking it. Um, I don't think there's a I don't think there's a constituency. Um, <laughs> in England or in in the UK that is richer than Kensington and Chelsea, I don't think. Um, uh, I'm trying to look. I'm trying. I wanted to search up like how how much does how much how, is is Kensington Chelsea the most riches or something? Um, the richest borough. No, I just want to ask that because I want to know the number. Um, I, I want to know if there's a number any uh, uh, borough. I'm trying to spell borough properly. Richest local authority area in the UK with residents earning three times the national average according to a new analysis of government data. Income in the borough home to Sir Elton John and the Beckhams is £64,868 per head of population compared with £19,514 nationally. There you go. That's a a, a little taster for you of what that place is. yeah, it's just it just um it rings it rings so loudly to me. Um but hey, hopefully some justice can come through this year, hopefully. Um I don't try and live in hope for things or fear. Um I feel, you know, both of them are very fleeting things. Um but I really sincerely um want this justice to happen deeply and um and for people to go jail, put simply. So, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there. From the Fifth End Podcast Network, I've been Charlie saying this has been most good. It's intro music quite as uh, too much by Vanilla. Thanks to your music for a bit of use. You can find both links in the full show notes, as well as Nappy, uh, Friend of 5e Nappy High, or Charismatic Interlude. Also find his link in the full show notes. And with that said, I hope you all have a good week. Which I always try and do the same. But until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.